Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. It should go without saying. I'm your host, Andrew Lewis. It is Thursday night. Trade period has just finished in the AFL, and we've got some instant raw reaction coming for you uh, in tonight, today's edition, depending on when you're listening. Joining me to talk AFL is our resident AFL expert, Cameron McDonald, and Straight into it, Cameron. You're a you're a Collingwood man. That was, uh, to put it mildly, eventful. Oh, it was just awful, punter. I, I still don't know how I sit with it. And um, yeah, you you spoke of how raw this might be. And um, apologies in advance if it's uh, if it's as raw as a white kid in summertime. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Well, Collingwood got all their business done late. They uh, had all their business done today. They have, we'll go through Collingwood's trades first. They have traded Jaden Stevenson. And you have to, uh, pardon me if I mispronounce this, this name, Atu Bozanavalagi. And, and a second round pick, uh, which is pick 39 to, to North Melbourne for pick 26, pick 33, and pick 70. Jaden Stevenson was the rising star winner in 2018. Correct. Yep. Collingwood were by no means finished. They traded Tom Phillips to Hawthorne for pick 65. Um, and then right before the deadline, traded Adam Trelaw, pick 26, pick 33, and pick 42 to the Bulldogs for pick 14 and the Western Bulldogs' second-round pick next year. That's uh, was obviously lots of chat uh, that – it got louder and louder over the last few weeks that Collingwood were in a a dire salary cap position, and uh, it appears they've cleared, cleared a bit of salary, but um, quite a bit of talent going out too. Um, Phillips, Trelaw, and and Stevenson certainly all played in that grand final two years ago, and now they're all gone and without a single player. Come, a single established player coming back in. That's right. And you could make the case that, um, you know, that if we had to clear salary, that um, that perhaps um, Trelaw sitting there with a million dollars hanging over his head and um, and even Phillips uh, were, were two guys that you could easily cut, I suppose, with um, a relatively deep midfield um, Trelaw off the back of the double hammy is not a million dollar player and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't know. With the way it's transpired, I'm a very upset Collingwood supporter because um, we just didn't do ourselves any favours. I know we weren't speaking publicly about it, but we've, we've been in cap trouble the last three or four trade periods. Um, uh, it's hard to know which angle to go with first here because if you sneak the grand final win in 2018, maybe you can cop all these players leaving. Maybe you can understand and forgive well, a little cap squeeze in, in that circumstance. I was just thinking about what is, is there, has there been any example of a club ever doing this? And the only one that comes into my mind was Essendon in 2002 when they moved Hardwick and Blumfield and Heffernan and Moorcroft. But all those guys... Carousella, all those guys had played in a premiership. Yeah, that's right, and it's a um, it's a big caveat. It's a it's a really difficult one. Um, you know, I think we've also prioritised signing Jordan Dugowie, which 
I mean, there's clear off-field matters there um, that are yet to play out, but it's a strange one because uh, Trelaw and Phillips have given every indication that they're brilliant citizens. Phillips is an unlucky one because uh, Dacos has exploded onto the scene this year and likely takes one wing with side bottom to come back and take the other. But you'd think he'd still have some value. It's, I mean, the the whole fire sale business, there are other clubs, presumably, maybe not in as much trouble as Collingwood, but in some trouble, who don't go about advertising these problems, you know, so explicitly to the point where, if I'm not mistaken, Chalor was in the conversation last year for the Gold Coast pick one, and Chalor didn't want to go up there. But pick one's a darn sight better than what we ended up with for Chalor. It would have been Raoul. Yeah, well, correct. And, um, you know, every man and his dog wanted Raoul and Gold Coast were more keen on established players at the time. Mm. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but I remember reading it. I remember reading it the same, during the same trade period, I'm pretty sure that um, that Phillips was, um, Geelong were interested in Phillips and were happy to part with their one of their first round picks they, they had um, received for uh, Kelly in the deal. I think it could have been as high as pick 11, but possibly as late as pick 14, um, which is a darn sight better than pick 65. Mm. At, the time, at the time, Phillips didn't want to go to Geelong. And then Dacos's emergence means that Phillips has to play at half forward all year and he looks pretty ordinary up there. So, you know, the Hawks will play him in his rightful position. Um, he, he takes Isaac Smith's wing. And Graham Wright has, has said as much. And he's nowhere near the kind of devastating player that um that Isaac Smith is or even that Graham Wright was on a on a wing himself. But he's gonna be very handy there. He runs all day. He's more in this kind of Ed Langdon mold and he'll be perfectly handy at that footy club and they'll certainly get above um pick sixty five worth of value for him, which is much like Collingwood did nabbing him as a top age um or above age player I should say a nineteen um, with pick fifty eight in the national draft going back a few years now. But he exploded in that um, 28, the one where you just, you have to hope there's more to it than just the salary. Because first of all, the idea that it, um, a third year forward would be on 600K, um, which is what's been written about, is kind of ludicrous. But also, we shoved this guy out the door off the back of one year, one bad year. He was, he was it- devastating through 18 and 19. It, it kind of reminds me of the Dale Thomas um career pathway kind of thing where, you know, we were all sticking up for Daisy, but he wasn't in the team. He was often getting dropped or playing a defensive forward role in um, in his early days. And, um, you know, there was talk as to whether we'd overpaid with pick two. He ends up being a terrific player and a great servant at our footy club. Um, you, you can't help but think the Stevenson one turns around and bites you because, again, if you trade Stevenson last year, he's arguably worth a pick higher than what we paid in the first place. There's three guys who could have commanded first round picks on their own, and we've we've scraped through with um, one first round pick for a lot of them. Mm. Um, on Stevenson, it was clear that he struggled this year, but if ever there was a, you know, I used to make the joke that you should never sack a coach after playing in Adelaide, um, because it was just it wasn't fair. Um, I think. Getting rid of a player of Stevens pe- Stevenson's pedigree and age after this year and everything that went on and everything that happened to the to the league and the world 
Um, it's just, I just don't think you're making an assessment based on the best information. Um, you know, best young player, you know, best young player in the competition in his first season and played in a grand final. I think Joel Selwood might be the only other rising star to have played in a grand final in the year he won the rising star award. Um, and, and an important part of that team, you know, not just, you know, not not a not a uh, icing on the cake type player, and that through 2018 and through 2019, that Collingwood forward line worked best when there was this contribution by these medium sized forwards like Stevenson and Hoskin Elliott. Um, you, you know, Collingwood are, are, are moving away from that now, um, and and Dugowie as well. Now, obviously, there's 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 uh, stuff about Dugowie, and we could all say what we think about that. Um, but it's obvious that I think the going might have been might have been shopped around early, and it was clear there was just no interest. So they were they weren't going to be able to move him, and they whatever for whatever reason they felt like they couldn't just throw him on the scrap heap. Um, so then you're left with what they did, um, which is you know not one of those players going at probably value and you know they've also played the PR game pretty badly you know as soon as the fire sale comes this, that story starts taking shape and the, the narrative is established um, they weren't going to get overs for any of them on the other hand you know Essendon have offered the Bulldogs uh, one of their three first round draft picks in a future second for Dunkley and that hasn't got it done because the Western Bulldogs have just set the tone that you know we're going to have to be overwhelmed buy an offer by Essendon. Oh, by the way, you have pick six, seven, and eight, Essendon. You can give two of them to us. You know, you'll still have a first-round draft pick and you'll have Josh Dunkley. So two completely different ways of playing the the, the, the sort of the front-facing media game. One, and, and you know, one doing it pretty well. The Bulldogs, you know, we can, and we, we'll, we'll get to the Bulldogs in a minute about them ticking off their, you know, what their objectives are and whether they were the right objectives, but they did tick them all off. They got, they made every move they wanted to make and they, Got it at a pro- they made every move at a price they were willing to pay and they were happy to pay. So, a part of me wonders whether you know it, it just it is a Collingwood issue, being that once there's once there's anything once there's a sniff of anything going down at Collingwood, the, the whole football media is going to run with it. Um, you, you might not mind being a sort of a lesser known club in these scenarios, um, because I don't believe whether. Um, grief, although I, I believe we're by far and away the worst in the worst scenario. But yeah, I, and the Bulldogs were in a great position of power over the Dunkley trade. And to your other point with Stevenson, we need look no further than Jeremy Cameron to see that players should still have huge value um, off the off the back of a bad year in 2020. And um, there are other players at Collingwood with with uh, large cash amounts who did not play terribly well this year, but are safe at the club. Um. But just for all that to happen in the last, probably, you know, probably after, you know, certainly, sorry, the AFL, is, you know, had mandated that no trade could be announced before 3 p.m. today. So everything happened after 3 p.m., but everything happened on the last day, in the last four and a half hours. So um, it's pretty shocking. We'll wait and see, because Collingwood don't have, still haven't ended up with a great draft hand. They've got picks 14 and 16, and then they don't pick again until pick 65. So, um, They'll be able to bring two pretty good young players in, you would think, in a what 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 I understand to be a pretty even draft. Um, but 
it's the sort of draft where, particularly in the teens, you might be thinking about picking for need rather than anything else. Does it? Does it? Do the trades open doors for Collingwood to retain some of their uncontracted players? Like obviously, Sharonberg's been talked about. I think Sharonberg's been delisted um, by all reports. The 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 vibe is that um, we have supposed we're supposed to have agreed to terms with Dugowie and Majacek, um, and they're supposedly um, sorted those deals, but they have not been announced. You know, they, they haven't put pen to paper. It's not official. So, in some ways, you wonder whether all, all those agreements were tied to. In which case, are we going to run into the same problem again? It's it's very difficult to um, generate some positivity for the way that Collingwood. Um, Sorry, my apologies. They have delisted Sharonberg, so he he would be very unlucky not to get uh, another opportunity. I'm not sure when the delisted free agent period is is set to happen with the AFL. Actually, quickly going back to your point about no trades allowed before three o'clock and and all trades must cease at seven thirty. I mean, it, this is presumably media-driven and to generate as much hype around the end of the trade period as possible. But it's pretty farcical, especially when teams are clambering over themselves to make these deals by 7.30. In some ways, you could argue, let's just have the one day of trade period and, you know, let's not um, let's not make it a circus. If the point is that, that um, SNNR are, are going to end up dealing for Dunkley, then let it happen. If there's gonna, it doesn't matter how long the trade period is. If there's a deadline, there'll be a circus. Um, I'm I'm of the other view that pretty much you know ten minutes after the grand finals over, they should. Well, you know, maybe once the players have gone off the ground after the lap of honor, you open up the trade period and then you set it. Then you set a deadline for it, um, and it can be three weeks, four weeks. Um, I know that's probably going to cost Craig Hudson a little bit more in trade radio wages, but. Um, I just think it's not it's not so much the period of the length of the period as far as I'm concerned, it's the deadline. It's, whenever the deadline is, that's when the circus is gonna be. And there there clearly has to be a deadline for a for a league whose list management is built on your lists have to be completely and totally finalized before this before a game is played. So that's that's how that goes. Um but you know, I think that to your other point about delisted free agent periods, I think there are usually two or three delisted free agent periods because there's a there's a there's a period after every list lodgement so there'll be more players being delisted and then there'll be more movement and that'll be there'll be there'll be a little bit of interest in that but by this stage pretty much all the players of note who are going to move have moved um usually a large discussion in trade every trade week is dedicated to the Essendon Football Club we'll just Go over what they have done chronologically. They traded a fourth round pick from next year for Peter Wright, who essentially uh, replaces Joe Danaher, who left as a free agent. Um, they have uh, traded Adam Saad, a pick 48 and pick 78, to Carlton for pick 8 and pick 87. Uh, they did not get the Josh Dunkley deal done, but they did trade Orazio Fantasia and pick 73 to Port Adelaide for pick 29 and a third round pick next year. And they did trade pick 29 and their second round pick next year to GWS for Jai Caldwell, pick 44 and pick 74. And they did also trade uh, pick 67 and 74 to St Kilda for Nick Hind and pick 77. That happened. That was the last trade to go down. 
Um, is it the same old, same old from Essendon in terms of not getting the Dunkley deal done? I don't mind it, to be honest. I think Dunkley was a strange target by Essendon. He was the right player. Uh, he was the wrong target. Right type of player, I should say. And inside midfield has long been um, what they've been crying out for at Bomberland. Um, and, you know, Jai Colwell's been sold the promise that he'll be coming to Essendon to um, play inside midfield. So um, in speaking to a, a, a friend of mine who's a, you know, a big Essendon supporter, he couldn't really have that Dunkley was the right player to bring in as a contracted player. Um, when the deals were going down to the wire, I thought the dogs were right to ask for two first round picks at six, seven and eight draft hall. And I thought that the Dons were right to refuse two picks from six to eight because um, my opinion, if, if, if the dogs were happy to move Dunkley, then I think his worth is probably closer to the two first round picks that Collingwood currently have, not two of the first round picks that, um, that Essendon have. So six, seven, eight, uh, any two of those would be overs. Um, and maybe one of those is unders. But but the fact that they knew that in Dunkley they had someone who'd be happy to come back to the Western Bulldogs and potentially be a leader of that footy club, supposedly Marcus Bontempelli's best mate. So I think I think that's win-win, actually. Um, Dunkley not going to the Bombers. I think you, um, it was a little bit fanciful to think they'd be able to rip him out of um, out of the dogs, out of the kennel, um, you know, as a contracted player and um, without paying overs. So I actually think the way Essendon's draft hand looks now, they're about as well placed to get out of the mire, um, you know, as as they could be. I think Corbell is exactly the right type of player to bring in. Young, talented, um, uh, inside midfielder. Um, that shows a lot of promise. Um, they get him for a, a, a you know very reasonable deal, and picking six, seven, eight. Um, it's a nice draft hand. I know they talk about the fantastic five in in this draft, and do, the Dons are obviously sitting outside of that. But they may hope to get one of them as a slider. Um, and they can kind of, might they can still trade draft picks for draft picks. That's so, true, and, and I know that they. Um, I know that North Melbourne might be um, thinking that pick two could potentially be on the table for the right set of picks. Um, if I was Essendon, I would I'd probably do seven and eight for pick two, or or six and seven for pick. Um, Essendon probably want to get into that um, top five and and bring down a meaningful replacement for Joe Danaher in a Logan McDonald or a, a Riley Tilthorpe, uh, who are likely to go one and two, both really exciting key forward prospects. Um. Two meter Peter, uh, necessarily plug that gap, um, but he's serviceable. Um, his numbers compare pretty favourably with Tom Lynch's numbers, which just goes to show that numbers aren't everything. Um, uh, in the early years of his career, I should say, a couple of thirty year seasons as a key forward with the Suns, that who weren't a particularly strong side. Um, you know, and there's no shame in being left out of us for one of the King boys. So. Um, he might have something to offer. Not playing a senior game this year and, and being let go for a song um, probably plays against that. But um, it'll be interesting to see how the second phase of Peter Wright's career plays out. He's long been um, the source of a lot of chatter on big as a as a tall prospect who's not getting a lot of games and 
um, playing for a club where you can, you know, we've been able to get players out of the Gold Coast traditionally. So, uh, yeah, i got to say, I don't mind what Essendon did. Um, and I, I don't think they're necessarily, if they could have got Dunkley for one of those picks, then great. But two was overpaying. I uh, tend to agree with you. I think I think that the key piece of information, the key piece of the puzzle in Dunkley is the fact that he had two years left on a contract. I think for the player you would be getting, I think what Essendon ended up offering, reportedly offering, is about right. Um, Bulldogs well within their rights to say no. And, you know, it's probably, you know, from a macro point of view, probably refreshing to see a club say to a player who's under contract, look, we want you to serve out your contract. Um, that has to work both ways, though, and it obviously hasn't ha- it has, that that hasn't gone on at other clubs. One we've already talked about. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think they've done pretty well. I think uh, they obviously see a future combination with Draper and Wright as you sort of Ruckman and Ruckman forward. Um, they'll they still need a. They still need a genuine sec- second, you know, a, a more hit up, get up the ground for key forward, I think, and uh, and they might be able to get that in the draft. That's going to take a little bit of development time, um, but they've done it. They did a pretty good job. Um, the team that kept Dunkley is the Western Bulldogs. They kept Dunkley. They added Adam Trelaw. Uh, the Western Bulldogs. The consensus seems to be they won trade period. Um, I seem to remember 13 months ago us having the same thoughts about the Western Bulldogs after trade period. It's like the Western Bulldogs have won trade period. Um, I'm not so... I mean, obviously, they've had a very good player in Trelaw. Um, they made one other trade... Or two other trades. They brought in Mitch Hannon for Melbourne for a future third-round selection. Um, I, I seem to remember Mitch Hannon playing pretty well in 2018 for Melbourne. And they made one other team. They were involved in a three-team deal. Uh, they brought with... down uh, Steph Martin, didn't they? Yeah, they brought Steph Martin in uh, from for Lockie Young. Basically, Lockie Young goes to North Melbourne. Um, there's some pick movement there in the fourth round, and the Bulldogs get Steph and Martin. So Steph Martin's 34. Um I'm 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 not going to uh, I'm not going to paraphrase Winston Wolf from Pulp Fiction, but there's a line when things start to go well, and he tells everyone to slow down, and we're not there yet. He does he says it in a slightly more crude way, but that's what I'm thinking at the moment with the Western Bulldogs. I'm I've probably been bitten by them. Um, I look at that midfield and I think, geez, Bontempelli's going to look good playing out of the goal square next year. Um, they're going to have to find a spot in the team for all of these guys. It's yeah, just... it looks great on paper, doesn't it? It's um, there's there's so many, there's so many players that can run through that midfield. The interest is in, you know, someone like a Josh Dunkley supposedly being unhappy with his role this year, and fair enough too, as he had a couple of stints in the ruck. Um, I heard Adam Cooney interviewed, and he sort of said that that Dunkley probably doesn't run through that midfield mix, and that was before. Uh, Adam Chalor was was thrown into the picture. So, the thing about a midfield batting deep is that it's it's really great, but more and more you need specialist forwards forward of the ball. Um, it's Bontempelli probably does offer something forward of the ball, but do any of the others? Um, yeah, I know where you're coming from, but I do think that they've they've sort of gone quietly about their business. 
their list hasn't gone backwards. It's gone forwards. Um, they brought in a high-quality player and the, uh, and a chunk of that salary is going to be paid by Collingwood. Um, I think this year showed that Tim English isn't ready um, or he's not ready to compete on his own against the, the brute ruckman of the competition, even though he showed plenty of upside and talent. Um, and so, you know, Martin has been a, a pretty good serviceman and, and, and probably probably comes across to play a similar role to the one that Ben Hudson played for a couple of years at Collingwood. Um, I don't mind that. Uh, he is 34, but, um, you know, he can he can probably, you know, cop a bit of a battering in place of in, um, center square clearances and preserve that young body. Uh, Hannon is, yeah, he's a handy player, handy half-backer, and they've obviously identified that uh, he can bring something into their club without costing too much. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's not as big a win, I think, as we felt they'd had last year. But, you know, these things are often judged with the benefit of hindsight. We might be better off uh, calling these things um, a little ways into the season. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, just I'm just working through clubs I've written in order. Um, has any team ever, and the answer might be this club 12 months ago, but has any club pushed their chips in the middle of the table so strongly for a one-season crack at a premiership than Geelong have next season? They have traded three first-round draft picks for Jeremy Cameron. They've traded a second-round draft pick for Sean Higgins, and they've signed Isaac Smith as a free agent. They've lost Nakaya Cockatoo to Brisbane for not a lot. Um, and they've lost Lockie Fog- They've traded Lockie Fogarty to Carlton for essentially a third round pick and a, and a second round pick upgrade that the second moved. So they do not pick before pick 51. They have pick 51 and pick nine. They only have to use pick 51. They only have to use one pick this year in the draft. So along with five. Five goals away from a premiership this season. They brought the best player in who was available and Higgins and Smith. Is is this unprecedented in terms of pushing your chips in the middle of the table to win a premiership? Yeah, well, I can't think of another that rivals this. Um, they, they've got to win it. They've got to win it either, either this year or next with this strategy. Um but maybe they felt like that was the position they were in regardless. And we've all seen the age profile and, and, you know, some of the guys who doubtless, I know that Ablett and Harry Taylor have called time already, but um, they obviously feel they can keep topping up in this fashion and, and get it done. And they have a good coach. They have a good home ground. Um, they've got some champions at that footy club who maybe they just want to send them out, you know, with with one more um, medallion around their neck, um, it's it's gutsy, especially since you know you wonder whether a guy like Stephen Wells, who's so highly touted as a draft guy, probably wouldn't mind um, giving him a quick tingle and seeing whether he'd like to have a play with a few extra draft picks. Um, a guy with all this talent picking with pick fifty one seems like a bit of a a travesty. Um, what's your take on Geelong? Because it, it needs to work for them and ultimately it will be assessed as a failure if they can't get it done. Well, obviously they haven't really had that second key forward um, the last couple of years. And towards the end of this year, it, it sort of turns into Dangerfield, sort of playing as a as a 
lead out chest mark key you know key forward out of the goal square um Hawkins has been all Australian the last two seasons and I would I would certainly entertain an argument that he was the most valuable player in the competition in 2020 um but Hawkins is Hawkins and Selwood are 2006 draft so they're 33 next year I think um I think Higgins is of a similar age. Isaac Smith's of a similar is, is you know, they're both in probably a couple of years younger, but they're both thirty. They just put the four oldest teams in the history of the game on the park in their last four games of the season. Um obviously they lose Harry having Harry Taylor was thirty three or thirty four and, and Gary Abbott was thirty six. So Gary Abbott was by AFL standards really old. Um so they get a little bit younger because just because of that, but they won't get seriously younger. They'll have a, they'll have the oldest list in the league, and when you know history just keeps telling us that when that starts to turn, that will turn quickly. And they had an opportunity to rebuild this year. They had an opportunity with the three first round draft picks to turn the Tim Kelly, uh, you know, having him for two years and then turning him to the draft picks. They were able to just have a sneaky rebuild. They have consistently been able to be able to find building blocks late in the draft. You know, they, they, there's always some sneaky kid who played for Geelong Grammar who no one knows about who they'll turn into, like it was Henry this year, the, you know, the bloke who looks like Adam Driver. Um, you know, rookie draft, and he gets to 22-23, and he suddenly, well, there's a halfback flanker, and we don't have to worry about that position for another six or seven years because he's going to play 150 games. But those guys don't win your premierships. Um, Jeremy Cameron is certainly the sort of player who you would normally think would win you a premiership. They 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 did get two future two second round draft picks for next year from in the Cameron trade. So mm. they're not they'll be in a position next year where they'll have you know first round you know and they've they've consistently traded first round draft picks around. I mean I'm, I'm surprised they're even allowed to do it. Um, trade the three out, but um, if it doesn't work for Geelong, they're not going to finish ninth. You would think they're gonna. It's you know it, when it, when it will when it eventually stops working, it'll stop working savagely. Um, we're probably both in the same boat. We don't we can't we can't really think about it terribly objectively. We don't have a lot of love for that football club at present. <laughs> so um, I thought they were reasonable in the grand final. I thought you know Gary Abbott doing his shoulder was very sad. Um, and another guy who's not been my favourite footballer of all time, but an absolute champion. But I just as soon as the minute you did it, it was obvious what had happened. And it was just like, well, this is just terribly sad. This is not how he should go out. Um, but, you know, the metaphor of the whole game, and I tweeted, that was when Cameron burst, uh, when uh, Dusty Martin burst through Dangerfield and kicked that goal from the boundary line at the end of the game. It's just like, yeah, that's it. That's all you need to know about the two clubs and the two players. Um, I'm, you know, Mate, you know, Dusty Martin historical context might be a podcast all of its own at a quiet time, but um, I think you. I mean, it could so beautifully in that in that grand final podcast in the lead up. If, um, if listeners want to go back and just listen to our preview again, it's notable for two things. I get absolutely all of it wrong, <laughs> and uh, and Punter calls that. Um, if if Martin can drag that team over the line from a from a difficult position, um, he might be the greatest ever. And he, prob- that- he probably got less help than in any of the other two grand finals. 
He, you know, he, in my opinion, he could easily have not won the Norm Smith in the first two grand finals. Probably more so the first one. But um, there was no doubt in anyone's mind final day was. Um, you know, it, I, a part of me wonders was this year with that, and we did speak about that at least. They played some really great football. The shortened quarters, um, I thought, maybe helped some of their older bodies that take a little bit longer to recover week to week. Um, you know, they they were experienced, and so the hub life and all that kind of gear just sort of played right into their hands with Dangerfields and these guys who can keep the group together. Um, you know, back to a, a reasonably level playing field, and who knows what that's going to look like in 2021, but does that take a few things away from Geelong to counteract the, the great players that they're bringing in? Sean Higgins, you know, probably goes missing in a lot of this conversation, but He's been a super player. He's a very good footballer. He's won two best and fairest at North Melbourne, and some of those were in pretty good North Melbourne sides. So that's right. Um, yes, I mean, let's not let's not skip over. We might be appearing to be churlish again regarding the Geelong Football Club, but they brought in three very good AFL players. Um, regardless of their form, regardless of Cameron's form this year, he is one of the two or three best key forwards in the competition. Um, and the way you'd know that is if you asked anyone, you know, who would you pick if you were building a team? Um, he'd be one of the first two or three key fours taken. Um, if you had to build a team for a season. Um, and as I said, Sean Higgins has won two best and fairest at North Melbourne. He's a very good player at the Bulldogs. He's an, he's an exquisitely skilled outside player with an element of toughness. Um, and I think if he had been on the park, for more of his career, we'd think more highly about him. And also, you play at North Melbourne, you're a little off-Broadway sometimes. Um, and Isaac Smith's been a very serviceable player for Hawthorne. Higgins and Smith are sort of the player, type of player that Geelong need because they probably only have one of them um, in that particular uh, mould, and that's Duncan, who he's getting on. Menegola's a little bit more inside and a very good player. But, yeah, they're a very good team. Um it wouldn't, you know, I, I'd probably, a part of me would be a little disappointed, but I wouldn't be surprised if Geelong just went 20 and 2 next season and, you know, just laid the smack down. Um, they've got the talent, um, but, you know, games aren't played on paper. So we'll see how they go. Um, they traded with GWS. GWS now have five, but they don't have Jeremy Cameron. Uh, what they do have. And they also don't have Jai Caldwell, who got to Essendon. Uh, they didn't complete a trade for Jackson Hately, so he will walk to Adelaide in the preseason draft as they have the number one pick in the preseason draft. Um, they have Braden Pruce, um, who, you know, I think you can argue whether they, they, they did give up a second round pick for Pruce, but considering what they got back for Cameron, they were probably in a position to overpay in the end. Um, they also traded for Jesse Hogan for pick 54. Um, and traded Zach Langdon to West Coast for that pick. So they turned Zach Langdon into Jesse Hogan. Um, I mean, if they were going to rebuild, they've made a bloody good start. Yes. Yeah, I agree for the most part. We sort of had this little chat about um, about Hogan, and, uh, yeah, it's probably as good a time as any to just mention that I remember tweeting out a couple of years ago that um, – Hogan had just sunk Richmond, I think, in a Friday night game and kicked five goals for Melbourne. And 
um, looked every bit like he was going to be of, of a really nice little bunch of key forwards coming through. Looked like he might be the pick of the bunch. But I remember putting Joe Danaher on that list. Jeremy Cameron was on that list. Darcy Moore was on that list, who's gone on to become a All-Australian centre-half back. There's no there's no guarantee with forwards. It's been a massive fall from grace. Some some attitudinal, some from a body uh, standpoint. But no, it just goes to show. And you've had some experience with this down at St Kilda um, with Paddy McCartan. But you need to wrap... Um, Max King in in cotton wool, um, it, in some respects, because the future of your footy club hinges so beautifully around that bike, that guy. Um, GWS, it's um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't know how to call them because they're they're that club that can that can lose players of the ilk of maybe not a Jeremy Cameron, but there's still some pretty serviceable key forwards at that footy club. You know, I'd rather have their key forward set up than Collingwood's. Um, there's enough, there's enough guys that can play there still, um, you know, and there's plenty of talent across the ground. So they'd be thinking, uh, they'd be thinking they don't have to rebuild. They've had a good hand in every draft since they since they came into the comp. Um, that's why they wanted players back from Geelong um, rather than draft picks. Um, in Proust, you know, this will be really interesting the Proust experiment because. We'll find out whether Proust is a really good ruckman. Um, there's no there's no excuses for him now. There's no one in the way. That's right. And yeah. He's had he's played underneath really fine ruckman, but always been uh, you know very good when called upon. So is he uh, you know worth the trade that GWS paid? And if he is, is he the first really solid ruckman that that club's had? Mumford played a couple of good years for them, but. Um, but played far too long and, and, you know, was still the best ruckman at that footy club when he was the ruck coach. So it's a position they haven't given a lot of thought to over the journey. So, um, you know, that could transform their mids, actually having first um, first hands on us. Mm. Um, I mean, but, they do get compared with the Gold Coast a lot because they sort of came into the competition at a very similar time. The Gold Coast immediately invested in a ruckman. It didn't necessarily work out, but... Zach Smith was pretty good for a little while. Um, I think he's back there now. Um, obviously, they've got Wits. Wits is there now and is in the top top ten ruckman in the league. Um, but they've sort of the guy. They would have had young guys on their list when they started, but th- th- I think there were guys like Andrew Phillips, and they just sort of never sort of sorted out. They had Dean Brogan, they had Jonathan Giles. Um, They've always just sort of patched things up with their ruckman, except for that brief little period where they had Mumford. And I mean, it was a it was a good run, um, and then Mumford left, and then Mumford came back uh, through necessity. Um, I think they would have thought that the Sam Jacobs thing this year would have gone a bit better, but it didn't. But there's probably a whole bunch of things that they probably thought would have gone better this season, and it didn't. And you know, there was a whole bunch of stuff that was out of their control. So, you know, I mean. Good luck to him. Um, he, he should get a decent run. And what they what they can't do is you know get six weeks into the season, and if it's not working exactly how they like, then you know drop him and play someone else. They've probably got to get give him half a season run at it because he's only Definitely. played like 20, 20 games in six five or six years. And if he's you know if he's twenty four twenty five, he's still you know I think we've all been a little uh, little 
spoiled by Brody Grundy's sort of immediate success in the league. Um, but most most ruckmen tend to go more down the Max Gorn route, which is not necessarily because their improvement was tied into giving up the gaspers, but they do take a while to develop and mature and learn their craft and really become dominant. So he's had about as good as an uh, good as an a good an apprenticeship as you could hope for under um, Max and under Todd Goldstein. So um, you could argue that this is a guy that's ready to explode and. And um, it's a bit, it's quite a, it's a good little bit of trading by GWS. And you're right, they've got to stick by their man. In the ruck position and in the small forward position, they're a really unique club, GWS, because they've never really devoted a heap of time and energy into us. Um, passing over ruckmen of the quality of Grundy in the draft and, and plenty of good small forwards because they felt like they could invest um, in those positions with rookie picks. And it was clearly the philosophy of the time. Um, but they they're still probably short um, in that department. And I I reckon they're. I mean, if you, if you just if you describe Toby Green as a small forward, um, they've got him, they've got Bobby Hill, and they've got Daniels, who I really like. So, um, but I think I think you're probably right in, their, in your assessment of how they've approached it over the course of the journey. Plus, they've Toby also Green. probably thought they need it. They need a small forward spot. Uh, open the team because they've just had too many good midfielders that someone like Devin Smith or Dylan Shield had to play there. So just to get exactly. them in the team, Toby so, Green is a is a key forward in a in a little man's body. Like uh, fair, fair. He, he's he's a genuine like a, a superstar in that forward line and doesn't play small forward like um like the guys that are going to lock that ball in your forward line. It's always been a huge part of and a huge uh, hole in GWS's game was that. They they move the football really beautifully at their best. Um, they really keep the footy in their forward line particularly well. Um, but you can play you can play green with in the same front six as with three of um, what will be Hogan, uh, Riccardi, Finlayson, and Himmelberg. So yeah, they they're I, I'm not giving up on GWS just yet. Um, I might be proven wrong, and you know, and it's always that thing of how how much does it impact the footy club when when someone like a Jeremy Cameron leaves? How much how much leadership did he offer that footy club, and um, how much mateship was there kind of surrounding him? How much of a key figure was he in that setup? But yeah, they're a really interesting and tough read because there's still plenty of talent there. I think I honestly think Hogan is. You know, uh, he 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 will be he can prov- he can do a pretty good facsimile of what Cameron would have given them if they, if they can get him on the park and get him playing week in week out. Um, Jeremy Cameron was, yeah, maybe if you're doing an all decade team, the full forward of the 2010s. So I mean, he is an absolute top tier elite talent, um, but Hogan has the ability to get sort of near there. I think so. That's not a washout. Um, we also we also must point out uh, GWS lost Zach Williams and Aiden Core in free agency, um, and brought in picks there, so that helps them. Um, speaking of uh, Zach Williams, he went to Carlton. Um, they sign. He was their free agent signing, um, and Carlton also tra- they, they weren't terribly active, which is probably a good sign. They did. They did get Adam Sard, 
um, who is the probably the type of player they didn't have. Um, Loggy Fo- Fogarty probably joins a long line of you know extra long marginal footballers to play their trade at Carlton. Let's call it the uh, who they had. They had David Clark um, and Darcy Lang. I think my, my, the Darcy Lang should just give Loggy Fogarty his jumper because I think Lang just got delisted, so they can just sort of slot right in there. Um, Sarden Williams, you know, Williams is apparently coming in to play midfield. Um, feel like Carlton, have, and it's and it's probably on their timetable. It's about time too that they decided well, we've got to start, you know, putting the icing on the cake in terms of the the list. I rate those two guys they've brought in. You know, Zach Williams destroyed Collingwood in that um, 2019 prelims final, playing on ball, mm. um, and it's in a it's in not- a wet. Yes, but it's you know it's no wonder this guy couldn't squeeze his way into the into the Ferrari that was the um, GWS midfield at the very very best of times, and you know Whitfield and um, and others um, missed that prelim. But he's he's a super player. I've always been a massive fan, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes with a um, full time run at it in the guts. Um, and and yeah, I. I rate Saad really highly. I don't necessarily rate him as highly as um, pick eight, um, but if you've identified that that's the that's the very player that you're missing, you know, um, and if you've identified perhaps that he can step straight into uh, Cade Simpson's role and potentially play it um, better um, with a little bit more electricity, not, nothing against Cade Simpson, who's a terrific player, but um, was just nearing the end. Backline is suddenly uh, uh, looking pretty good for the Blues with um, some some very good key pillars in in Wiedering and Plowman and you know Doherty now back having played a full season. Uh, hopefully he'll be all right with the cancer scare, obviously. And um, yeah, Sard, uh, you know Paddy Cripps had a down year by his standards, but yeah, I think I think there's enough to be reasonably bullish about. And um, the for me the icing on the cake when it comes to Carlton is, is hopefully some development from um, a couple of those taking the world by storm just yet. Um, Sam Walsh has, has hit the ground running um, and should have some upside from here, but your Paddy Dows and your Lockie O'Briens, Carlton would love to see breakout seasons from both. Well, it's going to happen now. I think, I think they've had an honest conversation inside the, the Carlton war room and they've decided, you know, we've got to, we've, we've really got to be serious about making finals next year. It's time. Um, and all their moves scream that that they've made that decision, and uh, you know, bravo. But those those guys who don't make it, you know, if they if they miss finals next season, there's going to be some hard decisions because they're not going to be able to carry those players much longer, and they're not going to have much currency. So the pressure's got to be on the Dows and the O'Briens and those types. There's probably two or three more that aren't popping straight in my head. It's just going to be like you've got to get cracking. You've got to you you got to make it real, or else you're going to miss the boat. Um, but I, I mean, I like that trade period from Carlton's point of view. They didn't really—they didn't give up anything. Um, they didn't lose anything. Um, and you know, I think I think Fogarty's rolling the dice, but bringing Sarden Williams is good business. Um, Melbourne is the team I had written down next. They lost Mitch Hannon. They did a whole bunch of pick swaps with Brisbane, um, but. I guess it's all about Ben Brown. Ben Brown, pick 28 and a future fourth to North Melbourne. Sorry, to Melbourne for 
pick 26, pick 33, and a future fourth that is that was Brisbane's. Um, I think all of Melbourne's other business, other than trading Mitch Hannon to the Bulldogs and Braden Proust to GWS, uh, surrounded draft swaps. They did a lot of those, which leaves them with pick 18, 19, 28, 50, and 89. Um, they obviously, it, you know, decided their target was Sam Brown and everything else was sort of small. More potatoes for them. So, does Ben Brown make them a finals team? Ah, oh, who knows? The best of Ben Brown could be very handy in that setup. Um, and they haven't they haven't moved heaven on earth to get him. Um, I think that's a pretty good deal. Um, essentially, a second rounder and a reasonably late second rounder. Um, you know, when you when you tally it all up, um, to bring uh, Brown across, I think that's worthwhile. Um. For a guy that, forgive me, I, I won't get this exactly right, but prior to last year, kicked, you know, I think sixty goals three years in a row or something like that. Yep. Um, that's that's hugely handy. Um, he's got his limitations. Um, at his best, Ben Brown, but if they can figure out how to use him correctly, uh, he provides a really nice target. Mm. Um, he he takes a little bit of pressure off Wiedemann, who's developed. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think. I think he's he's a nice piece, but I, I think it's kind of a, a free hit because I don't I certainly don't think you're going to bring in a guy in the second round, and they've they've sorted out their draft hand. But you're not going to bring in a guy in the second round who is going to be the difference and help you make the finals, um, in in a key forward post, I should say. So <clears throat> I think it's I think it's a free whack for Melbourne, and they do have a happy knack of being able to trade. Um, up into the draft, and they might not be finished with that yet, of course, because you can keep trading picks um, at this stage. Um, it's it's a really interesting one. Like moving aside from Melbourne, just briefly, I'd be interested to hear how many clubs have been scared away from this draft by all these Victorian kids having not played all year. Um, I think there's clearly some clubs who are more than happy not to be messing around with first round draft picks this year and other clubs who who are happy to rate the draft and happy to back their intelligence from the previous year. Um, I heard, I think it was Silvani say on Trade Radio, Trade Radio today that, you know, Marcus Bontempelli arguably goes undrafted without his top age year. Harry McKay arguably goes undrafted without his top age year. So, It'd be desperately sad if a player of that ilk missed out. Um, but there are clearly clubs who are pretty happy to back in their their um, intel from um, 2019 on these bottom ages. Um, and, and you know, they've tracked them in whichever way they've been able to with reduced staff. Um, pretty happy to have a crack at this draft. Fair enough. Well, Melbourne have, I mean, part of that pick swap, they did trade out of the first round next year. So... Either they'll have to go without a first-round draft pick next year or find a way to get back into the first round next year. But they've got two late first rounds this year, roughly the same number of points as about a pick five or pick six. So they could find their way to move up in the draft uh, before draft day. Um, The team that Ben Brown was traded from was North Melbourne. Um, they signed Adam Core as a free agent from GWS. Um, they traded for Lockie Young from the Bulldogs in that Steph Martin deal. 
Uh, they let Sean Higgins go to Geelong for pick 30. Um, we've gone over the Ben Brown trade, but I guess the big deal for them is they brought in Jaden Stevenson for essentially a second round pick and moving back in the second round with another pick. Um, does this change any idea about where we think North Melbourne are bringing in Jaden Stevenson? It, it is it is sort of one player. I don't. I, I, there's a lot of talk about North Melbourne having the wrong idea about where they were last season or, or maybe the season before when they brought in Hall and Polak and Pittard, who's, I think he's gone now. So, um, as is a lot of the team. Um, but does bringing in Stevenson give you an idea that maybe they, they still haven't got a good grasp on where they actually are? No, I think it's a, I think it's about right. I think um, he's a player that it's worth taking a punt on with a, you know, um, a second round pick. He he fits um, their age profile for a for a genuine rebuild. Um, I think they've they've basically got their head head screwed on in a way. I think they're in for some serious pain this next couple of years. The intrigue around North Melbourne is that they've kind of made all heads without a senior coach who you know by rights doesn't necessarily have a huge hand in the trade period, but convincing players to come to your club. Um, without being able to sell them a senior coach um, is an interesting sort of um, way to play it. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think Stevenson will be the answer for them, but I certainly think he can play some good footy there and he's of an age where if they can turn it around reasonably quickly and, and you know, we do think they've got some handy young players that he slots into that pretty nicely. Pretty sure Stevenson, uh, Davies, uh, Uniac draft. So they suddenly have a couple of nice pieces from that draft. And um, and LDU uh, showed a, some things this year to indicate that he's going to be a serious player. So he, along with Taron Thomas and Jaden Stevenson, can all sort of come up together and, um, you know, maybe they'll hit their straps uh, around the same time. Yeah, Davies Uniaki was four. Jaden Stevenson was six. So yeah. I'm happy to talk about the 2017 national draft as long as you want, Cameron, because pick seven and pick eight was St. Kilda's and we picked Hunter Clark and Nick Caulfield. So by all means, they, they've got also got Aiden Bonar, who uh, was drafted by GWS that year. He's still at, he got traded to North Melbourne. So they do have some pieces. Jack Higgins was also tra- drafted in 2017. That's a beautiful segue. Um, Jack Higgins grew up barracking for St. Kilda and now he plays for St. Kilda. Um, he was essentially traded for moving down four spots in the first round. Uh, Richmond's fourth round pick next year is now a second round pick. Uh, the other move St. Kilda made was uh, Nick Hine for a fourth round upgrade. Um, St. Kilda's St. Kilda's work in the trade period and the proceeding was done through free agency when they signed Brad Crouch and Sean McKernan. Now, Sean McKernan replaces Ryan Abbott on the on the list, as in as the back in, backup ruckman slash forward who might play a game if he's fortunate. Um, Brad Crouch adds depth to what was not an extraordinarily deep midfield. So, as a St. Kilda supporter, I think, and, you know, pretty good work done. Uh, for for all you Moneyball fans at home, or you know, different ways of analysing statistics, St Kilda this year 
turned the highest percentage of their inside 50s into shots into scoring shots from inside 25 meters uh across 2018 and 2019 the most elite player in the comp number one player in the competition for the percentage of his scoring shots that came in from 25 meters out was jack higgins <laughs> i like that from a money ball point of view uh, yeah i also like i also like that um pick that surfaced of him celebrating st kilda gold as a um it was 2009 preliminary final i can tell you that it, you know i think I think that was after Rewald kicks his goal off the ground. I think I was still a couple of minutes away from showing any sort of pleasure or or, or, or happiness from that two and a half hour heart attack of a game. Um, <coughs> I mean, I'm happy to have. I'm happy to have him. So yeah, I think I think he's a, he's a nice piece. Um, <clears throat> such an interesting footy story, this guy. Um, did he end up getting awarded? Um, goal of the year for that freak effort on Darcy Moore in the goal square. Yes, he did. Um, and I'm with you, Cameron. He shouldn't have won goal of the year that year, but not because he threw the ball, but because it wasn't the best goal. Jack Stevens' goal against Richmond there was the best goal that year, but you know, I, it's a f- losing battle I fight every year. This year, Tim Membry's bicycle kick from the goal square wasn't even in the final three. So Yes. I, I, I Apologies to Tim Membry and um, once again, like if if you're gonna if you're gonna bemoan the fact that um, that uh, all news is big news when it comes to Collingwood in the papers, we can also probably celebrate the fact that if if a Collingwood player kicks a, a half decent goal, uh, it, it's every chance of being awarded the goal of the year, um, as was evidenced this year. Although I do think it was pretty handy. Um, it was a very Higgins, good goal, but Memory's Memory's goal might have been the most audacious thing ever successfully tried on a foot on an AFL field. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Jack Higgins is a good piece. It, it's such an interesting story, as I was saying. He's, he's kicked that goal of the year. He's been tremendous in his first year. And it, it, people always thought he would be. He was one of those undersized guys that you just kind of had to take um, in the first round, um, being that he racked up insane numbers in the juniors and then carried on um, in that fashion despite sort of playing the predominant you know, most of his footy up forward for Richmond showed plenty, you know, got a lot right. He's a very reliable young player and brings great energy to a group. Um, and then just went through a really shocking, you know, couple of surgeries there on his brain. Um, you know, and uh, he'd know as, as well as anyone, I suppose Richmond would have some um, take on that as well. But if he's come through that, um, with flying colours um, and is perfectly capable of playing the next 10 years of footy. And, and you know, I, I'm in no position to say that he isn't. I just think it was pretty scary what he went through. Then mm. um, I think that's a great acquisition for St Kilda and time will tell because uh, you, haven't, you haven't spent the earth. You've still got um, a first round pick there. Um, you know, arguably you probably end up with the same player in the draft. Um, sometimes these deals I know go with a little handshake to kind of say, if you, if um if this guy's available, maybe you don't take him. Um, so the Saints might end up with with um with the same player anyway. Um, yeah. So it's it's a little risk free, but I I I hope for Jack Higgins' sake that he's got a long, healthy football career in front of him. Uh, as you say, Brad Crouch, uh, I think that's a nice piece. It's interesting, you know, because um the whole the whole issue of of being caught uh, with illicit drugs um. Is, is probably less 
inflammatory than it was uh, shortly after Jake Carlisle came to the Saints. But um, it, I don't know. Is it cynical to think that uh, they probably weren't the only two footballers that um, were partaking in that, those kind of things? Uh, as a purely um, footballer, um, football decision, uh, I think it's pretty apt. Um, I think uh, he's he at his best is a very very good midfielder without being um, an elite one. Uh, he has an elite ability to rack up the ball, and then it's uh, what he does with it. So um, maybe it's another piece that uh, helps St Kilda to utilise some of their outside talent, the Jack Billings and the um, Brad Hills of the. I agree. I'm going to make two final points about Jack Higgins. One, he's probably the player who has been at Richmond over the last four years who's played the most games without playing in a premiership. Um, and there are now three players are who now three players at St Kilda who are at St Kilda in part because Richmond preferred D, uh, D, Daniel Rioli. So Jack Higgins is there because he can't get a game in front of Rioli. Dan Butler is at St Kilda because he can't get a game in front of Daniel Rioli. And Richmond drafted Daniel Rioli three picks before draft. we drafted Jay Gresham. So, um, thanks. <laughs> Having said that, would I rather have those three players or three premierships? Um, next question. Next team is Adelaide. Um, did, I, did they bring anyone in? They lost Rory Atkins and Brad Crouch as free agents. Um they are going to bring Jackson Haitley in through the preseason draft, but I don't think they traded for anyone by this stage down my list. They lost. They, they traded Carl Hardigan to Hawthorne so that they wouldn't lose their free agent compensation. The system works. They've got four picks inside the first twenty-three, and they've got two picks inside the top ten, including pick one. So I think we saw enough out of the back end. Oh, they made a trade with Melbourne at pick swap. Um, I thought we saw enough out of Adelaide this last bit of last season to probably on exposed form toy with the idea of having them 17th next year in our final in our later predictions rather than 18th. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, I think Haitley's a nice piece to complement um, the draft that they'll clearly salivate over. Um, that's that's nice. I'm, I'm always confused when, um, you know, maybe... Um, with Adelaide's pick 40 on the table, um, which was unders, no question, for Jackson Haitley. GWS, you know, kind of said, we're not going to use pick 40 um, and and stand their ground on that one. I, I've never really understood the why not take something rather than let a, let a player walk type of vibe. Um, but, yeah, they, they, they often pass around pick 40 where other clubs would, would love to have it. So, um, interesting one. Um Pick one will be the the other matter of interest. I believe it's down to two players now, um, McDonald or, or Tilthorpe. Tilthorpe being the um, you know the sort of hybrid ruck forward, very exciting, very good below his knees. Um, awesome highlights uh, package and uh, an Adelaide boy, <clears throat> where Logan McDonald is uh, is a WA boy um, and had the best year of all junior footballers to um, to sort of shoot up the draft board um, and look like uh, he'll be a, a genuine key forward prospect. Uh, I'm personally leaning towards Logan McDonald um, being the, the more astute pick for Adelaide. Um, you know, and and yes, we'll see. But that's a nice piece to build around. And, and you know, um, maybe someone like a Darcy Fogarty 
uh, thrives when there's a big unit leading out of the goal square. Fair enough. I'm going to try and fly through the remaining eight clubs. Um, Brisbane weren't far away from a grand final uh, last or oh, this year. They add Joe Danaher for nothing. They add Nakaya Cockatoo for not very much. Um, they lost Stefan Martin, which probably gives them more of an opportunity to give some other guys a get even more opportunity. Um, I can't remember the name of the bloke who played his first game against St Kilda. He looked like a likely sort as a as a as a ruck forward. Yeah. Uh, and they've got the big O. Um, I mean, you, how can you how can you say no to the opportunity to bring in? Uh, Joe Danner for and not send anything the other way. I mean, I just you know you can make all the jokes about Brisbane the worst goal kicking for goal team in the competition, so they bring in Joe Danaher, but that's a no brainer. You just you just got to do it. Absolutely, I think I actually think at the end of the day, what, what um, it puts the focus on for me is that um, that we don't need the free agency compensation. Uh, I know. Uh, Waitley's, we've spoken about this before um, and Waitley's a huge champion for getting rid of it and just allowing clubs to have the cash arsenal to then um, use free agency for what it's there for um, but when when Essendon uh, ignored two first round draft picks from Sydney last year in the hope of turning Joe Danaher around, they don't deserve one first round draft pick um, this year for letting him go um, and, and certainly not a pick as high as seven for a guy who hasn't been playing much footy. But of all the clubs he could have found his way to, and this must have been part of their sell, is they've been turning they've been turning injured players around. They've had a really good track record with that. And if they can do that with Joe, this guy was set to blow the competition apart. It's part of what I was talking about, um, how good I felt like set to be. Joe Danaher looked like he could have been anything. And, and a few years back, if you we had that discussion earlier, you give me one player to build a team around, and a few years ago it was Joe Danaher, no questions asked, and it was right before his body fell apart. Um, if they can get him right, it's a coup, and it's um, yeah, Brisbane are right up there with uh, with the flag favourites um, for next year and and moving forward. I agree. Um, the Gold Coast they saw they they fired the opening shot of the whole kit and caboodle by signing Rory Atkins as an unrestricted free agent that's certainly an AFL player um i don't think they did anything else so maybe they didn't make a trade oh the gold coast they sent they sent peter Wright to Essendon for a future fourth as in driving the airport and they saw and they sent a future third to richmond for oleg markov so Interesting that there's just a lot of there's not there's not really any significant movement there as far as the Gold Coast are concerned. They've got pick five, then they've got pick twenty seven and pick thirty seven. So very quiet, but they might just be happy with what they have. The development's got to come with from within. There's not not much to just much to discuss there. No, it's a bit ho hum, isn't it? But um, they'll be happy with pick five. That's one of the fantastic five, and probably Will Phillips. And the interest is in is in um, in in a in a world where players had no choice about which clubs they were traded to, um, which I think we need to think about bringing in to counter free agency. Um, uh, I wonder whether Gold Coast would have paid pick five for Adam Trelaw, um this year, um, but 
considering that that wasn't an option for them. Um, yeah, it was a bit ho-hum, and they will. They'll back their development in. Fair enough. Richmond uh, sent Oleg Markov and Jack Higgins out. Um, they've essentially moved up in the first round to pick 17, but there's even less to talk about there. We might just skip over them. Um, Hawthorne, I think, brought in Carl Hardigan from the Crows, and they traded for Tom Phillips um, and basically gave up nothing for either, either of them. Uh, they didn't sign. Oh, they lost a free agent in Isaac Smith, gained third round compensation. Uh, they pick at pick four, pick twenty four, and they got three picks in the forties. So I don't Come see that. Collingwood, Graham, right? <laughs> Collingwood. How, how, every year they they sort of stun me, and this year they they nicked one off us, I suppose. And it was you know we were dumping cash to get rid of Tom Phillips, and he's he's not gonna he's not gonna be that guy that 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 turns Hawthorne around. They're in for some pain themselves. They probably go in with a, a nice high draft pick for the first time in a long time. Um, they'd be a chance to get um, Till Thorpe themselves if he slides as low as four, but it'll be a good player um, regardless of who they get. Um, yeah, they're, they're an interesting one, Hawthorne. Um, and, and Phillips is a nice piece. They continue to add nice pieces for really low draft picks. I can't decide whether, you know, players who doesn't seem to be a lot of players who get valued sort of at the right level at this sort of situation. It might have to do with their being under contract or what the motivation is. I mean, but um, Phillips obviously horrendously undervalued with that trade. Um, uh, you know, a, a, a building block piece, I would have thought, not in the way that, you know, not on a cor- not a cornerstone, but certainly, you know, someone who's capable of being the 10th to 20th best player on a premiership team. And a um, good person. And, and not to rub salt in the wound, but it was a goal away from being exactly that person um, in 2018. Um, speaking of the 2018 grand final, by absolutely no coincidence, absolute coincidence I've got West Coast next. Um did they saw? Did they go? No, they were. They did not enter the free agent. But they didn't do much trading. Uh, they brought in Alex Witherden and a fifth and pick eighty six from Brisbane to from from Brisbane for pick fifty eight and a future third. Um, we need to see if Witherden can get a game any more likely to get a game at West Coast with their back line than Brisbane. Um, they traded for Zach Langdon for a third round pick and they made a trade with Sydney. So I'm going to talk about this now. Um, the journeyman Ruckman. So let's call this, let's call this the Jonathan Giles Memorial Award. I mean, not that Jonathan <laughs> Giles has shuffled off this mortal call, but Tom Hickey is now at his fourth AFL club in his fourth state. Um, I mean, that's a good effort. I think Adrian Fletcher was the first player to play for four clubs in four different states, but um, that's a, uh, it might be three different states. It, it depends how you think of Geelong and St Kilda. I mean, Geelong and St Kilda were in different states essentially until about nine days ago. But uh, Hickey's now at his full... I mean, and, and apparently Sydney, who... Are, I mean, Sydney only made one other move, and that was to trade Alira Lear so they could bring Hickey in. So other than a pick swap with Melbourne. So it's interesting. Hickey might actually get a decent run at it. Sydney would be the number one Ruckman. Who knows? They're going to have a competition there. They've got Sinclair and other ex-West Coast Ruckman. Um, 
as long as Hickey doesn't tear us up, because Sydney Ruckman have been known to play poorly against every other team except St Kilda. So it was it was very pleasant to have us beat Sydney this year. I have to say, it had been a little while. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It could be a it could be a four club Ruckman who finally finds a home and and um, gets a really decent crack. Um, mm. Sydney were clearly desperate for one, and and I don't think. Tom Hickey's as good a player as Alira Lear, but that's not how it works at trade time, is it? No, I mean, he certainly had some good moments at St Kilda, and and, and you know, went in, came to West Coast um, after they had won a premiership, you know, with his sort of eyes open about what the situation was going to be, and this year didn't get a go at all. So I think Oscar Allen sort of took that spot. So, I, I mean, they had other players around, dancing around the time. I mean, the Lysette had left, but. Vardy was still there, and it's all very interesting as, as everyone sort of scrambles for the football's version of the number one shirt in soccer. You know, there's only one, one goalkeeper and only one ruckman. Hickey can and has played forward at times, so he sort of seemed like the perfect backup ruckman for West Coast, considering they've, they've always seem to have played two ruckman. I mean, Cox and Nat Newey played together. They both played a little bit of time forward. They were the team that sort of persisted with the, we just, one of our, one of our forwards, key forwards is going to be a ruckman. Um, sort of shades of the 1960s, but he now moves on to Sydney where he'll get it. You would think you'll get a decent deal at being the ruckman. The last two teams, I did mention Port Adelaide. They traded for Aaliyah Aaliyah. Um, I thought Port Adelaide's def- defence looked all right last year, but they've obviously identified a little bit more height. They've also traded for Orazio Fantasia. Um, good luck getting a game ahead of some other very, very good players at Port Adelaide. And I think Fremantle's only move was to trade Jesse Hogan. So, all very interesting. All very interesting. I guess, as, as we as we covered at the top, the story was Collingwood and um, when all that happened, the AFL draft will be held during the week, commencing December 7. We don't have a date for that yet. Um, what What do you reckon the over-under is? That the AFL draft will happen first or Trump will concede? <laughs> um, well, I read an interview completely political today, but by not conceding, he gets to send out heaps of emails begging his fans for money, and, and he's making a fortune out of it not going towards any legal battles I don't believe um, just going straight into you know his debts and his personal bank accounts and all that kind of gear so why concede as soon as you concede they'll stop sending money um, fair enough fair enough you know I mean if you want to if people listening to this podcast want to send me money just hop on the Facebook page do, you know put in a private you know send me a message and we'll make arrangements and you can send me as much money as you like gee that sounds alright yeah, I mean, and then maybe I'll concede that, you know, Gary Ablett Jr. might be a better footballer than Robert Harvey, but not before you send me money. <laughs> so I'm going to send you five bucks then. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, final top 10 draft order is Adelaide 1, North 2, Sydney 3, Hawthorne 4, Gold Coast 5, then Essendon, Essendon, Essendon. Uh, then Adelaide and GWS roll out the top 10. Uh, team that has to wait longest for their first pick is, it's funny enough, it's not Geelong, it's West Coast. 
who I think traded out of a number of rounds last year to get Tim Kelly, uh, they don't pick before pick 62. Yeah, Geelong's disdain for the draft is, uh, you know, we spoke about it already. Hawthorne have been similar, but have that that nice juicy pick for this year, which you're never going to say no to. Um, West Coast pick 62. It, it's interesting. You wonder whether, like, having made all those moves, whether they just, um, you know, Geelong is a little different. They brought in Jeremy Cameron, but having made all those moves, you then uh, have the, the year riddled by COVID and just kind of go, geez, not the worst year to pick at pick 62, is it? You might get a, you might get a little gem at 62, or it might just be the year to stay out of the draft. I mean, uh, the, the lack of West Coast, when they brought in Langdon, they traded Hickey. I would have thought that they came to the conclusion they're pretty happy with where they're at and, you know, that it'll be a normal as schedule next season and they'll go back to you know, having every second week in Perth and things better. So, I mean, they looked unbeatable in Perth right to the point where you beat them in a final. So, which is something that feels like it happened 65 years ago. I was about to say the same thing. That was... um a completely different group of players to the one that currently is on the... <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, we hope everyone has, is up to date with what happened during the trade period. We have a much-promised podcast coming up that we keep being pushed back because I have to actually get around and do some preparation for it. And I know that people who uh, like to listen to Cricket Chat have been hanging out for the best part of 12 months for us to talk about cricket, so we might do that next week. How does that sound? Will Pekovsky. <laughs> Will Pekovsky. We'll talk about... We're just going to talk about Victorians. We're just <laughs> going to talk about Victorians. Um, until then, uh, thanks for joining me, Cameron. This is when, like, we need to get some... Uh, the podcast that should go without... Blah, 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 should go without music. So that starts rattling over this, like, little wind-up bit now. Do you know what I mean? Should we should... The drums should all... See yeah. you next time on... Anyway, it's your podcast. Yeah, I just don't have. I can't. I don't do music, so I I do need a theme tune. I do need a little, you know, um, professional voiceover or something like that. You know, I can say, you know, thanks for that kind introduction, Don Pardo, or something like that. It's an SNL reference. Um, <laughs> Let's make that happen. <laughs> well, we'll dig him up. Yeah, yeah, we'll get Don Pardo. We'll get him in the smelling salts. Um, get into the microphone weekend at Bernie style. No, no. Um, <laughs> with all due respect to Don, um, we're going to make that happen. But rest assured, if we have to do our next podcast without it, we'll just soldier on. Um, as I said, thanks for joining me, Cameron. It's good to be here. No worries. And uh, we'll catch you next time on the podcast. Boom, 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 boom. Each you go without saying. Later.